Welcome back, everyone, to another Red Sox hot stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Couple key topics this episode. Justin Turner has opted out of his option for 2024. That was worth $13.4 million. However, he does get a nice parting gift because he did have a $6.7 million opt out. So he officially becomes a free agent, can sign with any team. Uh, another uh, key development, not a big shock, uh, Corey Kluber's option has been declined by the Boston Red Sox. So Craig Breslow, uh, already hard at work. So with me this episode, Charlie Smith. I'm actually in the same time zone as him. So <laughs> we're uh, recording really late uh, East Coast time. It's uh, almost 2 a.m. out there, but uh, just... Uh, just a little before 11 here. So how are you, Charlie? Doing well, my friend. Welcome out West. It's uh, it's a weird thing because you have the three hour time difference. Plus you got the one hour kicker for setting the clock back. So your, your clock must be doubly messed up. Oh man. I'll tell you what I'm all done with five and 6am flights. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm on a weird sleep schedule doing the Uber. So I decided to stay up until noon the day before. So in theory, I would sleep till six or 7 a.m. I, I right. woke up at, I, I, I'm sorry, six or 7 p.m. And then I was going to have to leave at 2 a.m. for a two hour drive from Myrtle Beach down to Charleston. And I think I was up at 3 p.m. So didn't get nearly enough sleep, was up 32 straight hours. And uh, I'm never doing that again. You look uh, great. <laughs> well, you know, genetics, right? No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a six at best on this crew. Uh, but anyway, so uh, let's uh, let's dive into it. Uh, no big shock with Turner. Absolutely not. No, I mean, you, you had to know the, the Red Sox MVP was going to be looking for one final payday and $13.4 million guarantee for one year. doesn't seem like a whole boatload when you can probably get maybe that, perhaps a little bit more, and make that two years. So why wouldn't you try to see if that's an option elsewhere? On top of the fact that you're already making $6.7 million in 2024 without even having to swing the bat. So it's pretty remarkable. One way or the other, Justin Turner is going to be making over the next two years well over $25 million. Yeah, and, you know, he he had some stuff posted on social media saying he loved every minute of Boston, enjoyed his time yeah. here. So I think that gave Red Sox fans a little bit of hope that, you know, maybe he would pick up that option. But I think at the end of the day, he is coming off of a very good season. The dude was hitting like over 400 with runners in scoring position. So um, you you just had to figure he probably wants at least a two-year deal at this point and, you know, versus one. He certainly has the leverage to do it. Well, he set at the age of 38 in his first year in Boston, he set a career-high number in hits a career high in RBIs. He missed the career high in home runs by four, still hit over 30 doubles, had 86 runs, which is the second most of his career, one shy of his career high. 
played a ridiculous 146 games, and all while battling a major foot issue. So the guy was an absolute grinder, uh, a term that we've used multiple times before, uh, a pure all-around professional hitter who gets it, understands what he needs to do and when. I mean, just has really good baseball IQ, and that's not something you can teach. You either have it or you don't. His wins above replacement, what he was able to bring to Boston, I don't think the Red Sox win 70 games without that bat in the lineup, without just his leadership on that team. So significant, you cannot count it out. And had it not been for that last kind of rough, blippy month because of that injury, he probably would have had over 100 RBIs. He probably would have had over 25 home runs. This is a guy that probably could have been hitting close to, to you know, 280, 290 um, minimum. And, you know, he still has been hovering around that mid-upper 270 range the last three years. I mean, the Los Angeles Dodgers absolutely loved him. We were fortunate to have him for a year. He's been posting photos, as you mentioned, on social media of him doing, you know, some bowling on the side. His wife is very involved in the Boston uh, area. And I don't think Mr. and Mrs. Turner want to go away. Uh, They're very beloved here. And whether he were to go back to Los Angeles, possibly back to New York, where he spent a couple of years of his career already, uh, or still in Boston, anyone's going to be lucky to have that man not only in their lineup but in their clubhouse the guy's an absolute he's an absolute force there's there's just no no way around that even at 38 the guy's just incredible and even if he's you know 75% of what he is this year 70% 65% that's still eons better than certain guys in the lineup that are 10 to 15 years younger than him and probably putting out the highest numbers that they're ever going to do in their career. The guy's almost 40 and he's still bringing it. He actually uh, turns uh, 40 this month. Uh, no, excuse me, 39 this month. So where are you at in terms of bringing him back though? Is this a must sign for you or are you more open-minded as far as, you know, what could be out there? So when you think about, when you think about the players that the Red Sox have been linked to, when you look into how many guys on the current Red Sox roster are considered leaders, if you were to remove Justin Turner, you remove a big key cog in that leadership circle. Someone that's going to be able to get everyone together because Rafael Devers is the future leader of this team. I would not call him the leader of this team. Chris Sale was one of the leaders of this team. I wouldn't call him the leader of this team. Justin Turner, in less than 162 games, established himself as one of the leaders of this team. There was no BS. There was no bad drama or bad juju around him. Nothing bad touched this guy. You you can't find anything bad about Justin Turner. Me personally, about bringing him back, you're looking at a minimum one-year deal in his favor. So it's going to be, you know, a $13, $14 million deal minimum with a second-year option, whether that be a team option. I almost feel like, you know, they've been floating a two-year, $25 million deal around. Not completely bad. It's a little bit less uh, on as far as the average is concerned in relation to what he would have gotten this year. He's getting 6.7 buyout. He would have gotten 13 
was it 13 6 i believe uh 13 13 4 but yeah 13 4 okay so 13 4 so assuming he gets like a 2 for 25 that's a million less but justin turner would in you know in theory be getting an additional 12 and a half million not only you know in 2024 but in 2025 which who knows what happens maybe the market for him after this year because maybe doesn't do that great would be little to none he's still guaranteeing himself an additional 12 and a half million so i think the market for him is probably going to be in that 2 to 25 2 to 26 million dollar range and as far as bringing him back i'm i'm for it i really am because you need leadership guys, good clubhouse guys that get it. And we know that if he's called upon, he's going to get the job done. And it's not going to be streaky Justin Turner. It's going to be a guy that gets on base, knows what he needs to do. And there are very few players in Major League Baseball that can do what he can do. You know, Justin Turner is a really good guy outside of baseball, too. So... Yeah, I'm looking probably in that 80% chance we should be bringing this guy back. You're probably going to be spending between 25 and $26 million over the next two seasons. The way I look at it is there's a boatload of dead money that we're not going to be paying, you know, a couple other players that we're going to be talking about and then other option players that we're not bringing back, thank God. So I'll leave it there. What do you think the uh, market is looking like for Turner and do you want him to come back? Well, I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other. You know, I can live with another two years of Justin Turner, you know, 14, 15 million tops. Um, he, this was a player option that he opted out of. So, but I, I do look at this, though, as a golden opportunity to put uh, uh, Masataki Yoshida in the DH spot. This is a team that we've been one of the worst offensive teams of this decade. It's It was the hallmark of the Bloom era, aside from the bad pitching. And I'm really open-minded as far as what could be out there. I really like Lourdes Gurriel. I think he's going to be a 2080 guy. He doesn't have a great arm, but other than that, his, his outfield defense is very good. And... Ideally, I think you would play him on the corners, um, but I'm I'm definitely not married to the idea of of bringing him back. And I, you kind of touched on it. it it's going to be hard for him to follow up what he did in 2023. I just absolutely off the charts. Fenway Park was was excellent for him. It was a great ballpark, and you do have to worry about the health whenever you sign anybody that's 38 39 40 years old it is a concern so i'm i'm not married to the idea of it and we saw yoshida kind of take a nosedive the second half he wasn't drawing the walks he just he looked lost at the plate at times after having a brilliant first half i mean in early june yoshida was the sh surefire american league rookie of the year candidate I'm like, who's going to beat him? And then he had that terrible second half, and I think Gunnar Henderson might have beat him uh, in the end. Yeah, so uh, that's where, where I'm at with, with Turner. But let's, let's shift gears a little bit here. Scale of 1 to 10, 
How much are you going to miss Corey Kluber? Why is a one the lowest number you can go? <laughs> well, you could go like 0.01, I guess, right? <laughs> like an immaculate grit. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, I'm absolutely there. I was, you know, we, we talked about it earlier this year. You could have Corey Kluber or you can have Nate Valdi. You can have Michael Waka, who's a free agent again. Um, but yeah, let's. Let's give Corey Kluber $10 million. <laughs> I mean, the, the people that thought that that was a smart idea need to get their brains checked. I'm not going to miss him at all. I'm sorry. I, that was such a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, he threw 36 fastballs in all of, of 2022, and then Bloom gives him $10 million and it's it's over by mid-May. So Yeah. Terrible deal. Actually, shifting back to Turner for a minute, I meant to sure. mention this. Um, according to Bob Nightingale, take that for what it's worth, the Arizona Diamondbacks have basically put Turner on the top of their wish list. So there is a market. And Absolutely. There's, there's been a buzz as well for, you know, as far as the Dodgers go, you know, maybe they want to bring him back. The reunion with Kike worked out okay. And, you know, maybe maybe they miss a guy like Turner. If Justin Turner went back to the Dodgers again, that would be one of the only teams that I wouldn't be really upset about. You know, Kike Hernandez, I, I wanted to look back at his numbers. He ended up hitting well above his average when he went back to L.A., had five homers and 30 RBIs, hit two sixty two, stole a base, um, was able to – get 12 doubles, 19 runs scored. He did this in 54 games and overall had a quality year in relation to what he was able to do in, in Boston alone in 2022. I think the pressure kind of got to him a little bit, but I'm not going to say anything bad about Keith Hernandez because the Boston Red Sox faithful were able to experience Justin Turner and, and have this amazing player who came in with, a boatload of experience and tenure and just wise smarts. Just he got it because of Kiki Hernandez. So I'm not going to poo-poo him at all. If he goes back to LA, I mean, great. We I get to see him a lot more, which I'm totally cool with. But I know that both he and his wife have really enjoyed their time in Boston. And I think the chapter in Boston is going to be short in relation to what it was in LA. Ultimately, I do think he's going to end up finishing out his career in L.A. I don't know if he plays in L.A. or if he signs a one-day contract to retire a Dodger, but I think that's probably as, as good as gold. I think it's going to happen. He, he, you know, he did everything. He did everything there. He wants to. I think eventually he's going to want to go back there. He's loved. Another thing too, and I'm not clear on as to why he's ineligible for it, but the Red Sox can't give him the qualifying offer as well. So, you know, that's always a trick. Some teams have up to up their sleeves. If they offer him the qualifying offer, whoever signs him beyond that, um, you know, essentially has to uh, give him a draft pick uh, or give the, you know, the outgoing team a draft pick. So, so it just kind of remains to be seen uh, as far as that goes. 
Another thing, not a big shock, uh, just kind of general housekeeping. Uh, the Red Sox have also declined um, the option for Jolie Rodriguez, so he won't be back. And not a total shock there, but when he was healthy last year, he was a very solid uh, left-handed reliever out of the pen. Not going to miss him either. <laughs> I'm really not. You know, like the the players that I honestly think that I would have missed would have been Martin if he left. I still like Kenley Jensen. I, I would have been sad if, if he left too. But Rodriguez, if you look at his numbers this year, was a nightmare for Boston. Like his ERA was disgusting. And he's just, he's not, he's not there. Like he was, I don't want to say a gadget pitcher when he first came in, but he was unknown when he started in, in the National League before he, he switched over to the American League a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I don't think he's ever really been a threat. Like, the, the guy's not a starter. He's, he's always been a reliever. He doesn't blow anything by anybody. You know what you're getting. I, I just think that we could do so much better, and we were doing so much what I like to call, like, plug filling oh we need to get a reliever that fits this mold okay we'll, we'll check off that box like Corey Kluber checked off a box Joely Rodriguez checked off a box and we were doing so much of that you're not building a team you're checking off boxes I need to get this I need to get this I need to get this A B C D E F G. that's it done but there wasn't any considerate thought for every edition and this was one of them where I'm like all right cool you know another left-handed reliever hopefully he doesn't you know turn into you know almost darwin's in for us and darwin's in was highly touted to be the future closer for the red sox and that failed miserably yeah i mean we're definitely light for uh left-handed relief we got a lot of great right-handed relievers so i don't think the bullpen will really be a, a huge area of focus this time because we do have jansen and martin coming back Garrett right. Whitlock most likely will stay in the bullpen. So that's a pretty good arm there. Um, before we wrap, this is going to be a big topic until he signs somewhere. But so many writers want to connect Shohei Otani with the Red Sox, and I just don't see it happening. No, I'm with you. Uh, it's, it's a cute article, but it's just not realistic. For the amount of money that they're going to be Shohei Otani is expected to be getting over $500 million. So you're going to be shelling out $500 million probably for 10 years, $50 million a year. Your first year, you can't even pitch the guy because he's recovering from TJ. He's out in 2024 to be a pitcher. He's only going to be a designated hitter. In 2025, they have to ramp him back up and pray that he's not broken. Because if for whatever reason he is and he's done, he gets shut down, you've essentially paid $50 million for a guy that's got a pretty deep right field. I think he's going to do great at Fenway. But truth be told, would you want a right-handed hitter dealing with the monster or would you like a left-handed hitter dealing with Fenway Park's right field? The answer should be a right-handed hitter dealing with the monster because a lot shorter. And if you can get someone like Adelis Garcia who just hits one to the moon 
and it comes back down, it doesn't look like it's going to be home run because it got hit so damn high up. It was out. And in Houston, Houston's like a, I call that the, the little league left field and Yankee stadium is the little league right field. Um, because you don't have to work really hard to hit home runs. Just ask Jose Altuve, who's as tall as his bat. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I can't justify that spend for one player right now when we have a lot of other holes that we need to fill like the rotation, which is an area that he is not going to be able to contribute to for at least a year. And even if he does get like a 510 year, 500 million, 10 year deal, is he going to pitch for nine seasons? How many other major injuries is he going to have? Is he going to have another Tommy John surgery? Is he going to have three of them, two of them? So really how many years of pitching are you going to get out of him? And how relevant will he be as a hitter for the last three years, two years of his contract? Really, you're given five hundred million for seven years of work. That's my mindset. I can't justify that amount of money. Two things. Number one, he had a chance to play in Boston. He literally could right. have picked any team he wanted because he was going to sign for the rookie minimum. So he he kind of blew that. Number two, if Mike Trout is not worth four hundred million dollars. Nobody is. I mean, when Trout got that deal, it was a lot of money. How many people were trashing that contract? He was an MVP three or four times over. Possibly, I mean, he had a chance to be maybe a top 10 major leaguer of all time, I would say, based on his start. Now, it didn't end up being sustainable, as we have found out. You know, he can't stay on the field. He's got tons of years and money left on that deal. I think $259 million still remaining. I just can't ju justify giving one player that much money. I mean, I know you're a Chris Sale guy, but, I mean, so many of us have been counting down the the years until that deal is off the books. And we're we're not committing thirty million a year to him, so I'd so, have to put us in that position with Otani. A little fun fact for Mike Trout: between twenty twelve and twenty nineteen, Mike Trout in that eight year span was a top two MVP vote getter seven times. He won it three times, came in second four times, won the Rookie of the Year the same year he was voted second two years in a row. Followed that up with two MVPs out of three years and then a final MVP in 2019. That was before the COVID year. And after COVID, his career has never really been the same. He did have a really nice bounce back in 2022. He had 40 homers in 119 games. But, I mean, in that seven, eight-year span, this is a guy who had 280 homers, was hitting over 300, had almost 200 stolen bases, I mean, the guy was an absolute force. He's not the same guy he once was. He's still going to be getting paid until, correct me, 2031. That sounds about right. I, I, I'd have to, honestly, I, I'm actually curious. I want to look it up now myself. I because, think that's correct because in 2019, he signed that deal, which I think was worth 12 years. It, it, yeah, it was was it was twelve was it twelve for four sixty four something like that? I forget the number. Four twenty five, I think. Four twenty five. Okay, so yeah, to, to answer your question, 
are there any other guys that are worth that? No, absolutely not. And here's the thing. Mike Trout was still worth that contract. Then he made, he made up for it. Um, however you want to look at it, he was getting underpaid for the first couple of years of his deal for all the production that he was able to bring in LA. The sad thing is that the ownership of the angels is an absolute joke because they haven't been able to build anything around him outside of Shohei Otani, who's probably going to be leaving this year. I'm Mike Trout. I'm asking for a trade. Get me out of the angels. Get me out of here. Well, I, I would have thought the same thing, but he did say recently he can't wait to come back and, you know, give the angels, you know, the bounce back year that they hope. So we'll see. But, you know, if Shohei Otani wants to come to Boston, it, it, he's going to have to take a massive discount. I and you and I both know that's not happening. Yeah, I'm all in on Yamamoto. You know, he'll be by far the top uh, free agent pitcher on the market. And, and it's a large gap to whoever you think the second best is. There's just nobody out there, uh, you know, that is on his level. So, you know, I, I don't know outside of him. Is, is there anybody that's worth more than like a three to five year deal? Snell isn't going to he's like 32, 33 years old. Jordan Montgomery might be 30, but I can't see him getting a massive deal. It, no. You know, if he does, you know, the whoever does it is stupid. But, right. um, yeah, it's just not a great year for pitching, and ironically that's what we need the most. So that's why I'm all in on Yamamoto. Just So just to revisit it, Trout is getting 35.45 annually from 2024 to 2030, which is the end of his contract. That means he will be making another – $248.15 million over the next seven years. And in 2015, he was making $5 million. In 2016, he was making $15 million. The year before that was making a little bit over, let's see, 2013, he re-signed for $500,000. The following year, $1 million. So he way overplayed for the contract that he was getting. So the way I look at it is now this is kind of just paying it back for all the years of hard work that Mike Trout put into it. Um, just to, to look back at that contract. And if people think that's bad, look no further than his teammate, Anthony Rendon, who's just an absolute <laughs> boss. That, that was a bad deal. Yeah. Awful deal. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, all right. I, I think we'll uh, go ahead and wrap on that. If uh, anything develops in the, the coming days, we'll certainly come back on to cover it. For uh, sure. But uh, until then, uh, we're going to we're going to wrap. I think the GM meetings start this week. So um, I think those are like, is it Tuesday through Thursday? Something like that. So there, there could be uh, some developments there uh, that get covered. That's a, that's a big week for trades, if anything, you know, because they're all meeting. I think they're in Scottsdale, Arizona, so you're not going to see any signings, but you'll you you could potentially see some trades uh, go down. I'd be curious to see what happens. Who gets moved? Yeah, very it, curious to see what happens. Does at a minimum, they'll be laying out the groundwork for it, you know, in the coming days and weeks. So. Right. But we'll wrap on that. Everybody else have a great start to your week. Take care.